enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show is presented by Prevenex. I love the supplement brand so much. They have a full panoply of options. I love their Joint Health Plus. That's my go-to move. Now that I'm picking up the running, had a really hard workout today, six by 600 meters, and I was really happy with it, but I gotta be honest with you, I'm going down a whole new path. It's been a long time since I've been really subjecting myself to these workouts, and that's why I'm so glad to have Joint Health Plus. Not only is it backed by people, frankly, like me, like you, who anecdotally love this product, it's also scientifically proven as our all of their products. So go check them out at Prevenex.com and use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. Before we get into today's episode with Bridget Gutierrez, who is someone who I have really enjoyed following. She is funny. She is witty. She is unbelievably optimistic. And she is super fast. And this is for somebody who not only is she fast for anybody, she has two young kids too. And she has a a military spouse. They've moved. She has a lot on her plate and she's still kicking butt. No excuses, just constant positivity. And shoot, you got to love that. With that being said, before we get into this, this podcast and this episode, which I was such a big fan of recording, we have the half marathon coming up in the Rambling Runner virtual race series. If you haven't already registered, Go on and do it, man. Go to the Strava Run Club, the Rambling Runner Run Club. Go on there. Join the race. You can do it Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Once you finish, you then just go to the Google Forms page. You'll see it on my Instagram. You'll see it on the website. You'll also see it on the Strava page. Just go to the Google Forms, enter your times, provide the link to your Strava account for that activity if you got it. And then you will be good to go. We have over 700 people registered for this half marathon. And that was after getting over 1,000 for the 5K and the 10K. This whole series has really been so much fun. And I'm excited to do a lot more of these. The McCurdy Mile Series kicking off in May. I'm going to be running all four of those mile series. If you go to McCurdyMile.com, you can check them out. And if you're listening to this, let me just peep something real quick. Looks like we're going to be doing something in July as well. Haven't finalized exactly what we're going to do just yet, but that's the road we're heading down. I can't wait to do that. So you've listened to me long enough. It's time for you to get into it with Bridget Gutierrez. Hello, Bridget, and welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, As you know, we've been kind of going back and forth for a while, not just for this episode, but just following your running journey over the past couple of years and that, you know, kind of before and after uh, your recent pregnancy as well. And uh, your little girl who's so cute. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate you coming on because I can't wait to talk to you because not only did you have an unbelievable 2019, but I feel like when all the things that parents are currently going through with like all the quarantine stuff, and we don't have to get into the virus per se, but I feel like that that life that a lot of people might be experiencing for the first time is something that you've been working through and dealing with for a while and, and making the most of it as well. And, you know, really like really making it happen in a lot of ways. So I'm really excited to, to get to get talking with you. I guess first things first, how's how's the family you know holding up right now with everything that's going on? holding up. Um, I think it's hardest on my son because he wants to go outside and play with his friends. But, 
you know, there's the six feet social distancing stuff. So he has to kind of play with them from afar. And then um, just being cooped up inside the house all day is hard, but we're getting by. Gotcha. And then is that, is that Roman? Is that his name? Yes, Roman. He is five and Bella is going to be 18 months soon. And she's she's fine with kind of doing whatever. But um, with Roman, he just wants to go outside and play. Yeah, right. Because he doesn't have like a little like partner in crime that he can like roll around with and like do his thing that like he sees on a daily basis. Like my kids are, my son turns five in two weeks. So, you know, roughly the same age, but he has an older sister. And like the two of them, like, you know, are at each other, but you know, they've kind of like, they're kind of getting along more now better than ever in part because like, you know, he's getting older so he can, you know, handle himself a little better. But, you know, frankly, they don't really have any other options. (laughs) So it's kind of like they better figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They get along really well for their almost four year age difference. So that's, that's good. They can keep each other busy. Yeah. I can imagine your husband works in the military. So it has his, has his, obviously you can't get into too much detail with that sort of thing, but has your daily life changed at all in recent weeks compared to what it was before? Like just in regards to him and his work hours and things like that? So right now he is a full-time PhD candidate at the University of Virginia. So he's still in the Air Force, but his job right now is student. So he's just been working a lot from home since campus is closed. And um, he's, he's just been really busy, obviously, for a PhD. So he's at the computer all day. And then I'm trying to keep the kids busy so they don't bug him. And it's just... It's hard because they want to play with him because whenever he's home, that's when, oh, daddy's home. It's time to play. But right now when he's home, it's time for him to work. I know exactly what you mean. We're going through that exact same issue over here. So my wife is a, a special education teacher, elementary ed, second and third grade, and she does inclusion. So she is having to come up with like create you know, detailed and individualized specific instruction over video you know, for like these dozen students or something or, you know, or so over two grades. So she's like putting in all this time and effort, making individualized videos for her kids. And it's like, again, so she's at home and I'm at home too. So I'm with, so I'm basically, I'm homeschooling, you know, my daughter who's in second grade and then my son who's in pre-K. And like, this is the same thing of like, all right, she's home, but she's not available. And it's like, it's so hard to like get that like ingrained because like occasionally like she'll be ready to play. And it's like, at an odd time and they're like, oh, see, mommy can play. It's like, oh, that was only for 10 minutes. But like, what do you, yeah. what do you do on your end for, you know, try, trying to balance that out and try to like make it so like they're available, but at the same time you want to keep it like these are the rules or the the schedule or, you know, the, the, the best way to, to keep it consistent. Exactly. And then because you obviously can't go outside. So we are literally inside almost the whole day and then he's inside the whole day. So it's just it's been hectic with that. So what do you get Roman to do in and around the house to get his energy out so that he's not just like (laughs) tearing the walls down? So we have our whole bottom uh, floor of the house. The basement level is the toy room. So there's a trampoline. He has his soccer net. The treadmill's down here, so he wants to run the treadmill sometimes. He can get about a lap in, but he'll um, run on that, and we'll go outside a little bit. Today, we went outside, and he rode his bike, and um, we drew some chalk while Bella napped, and my husband was working, so at least he got some quiet time, and he was able to get some of that energy out. 
Yeah. So do you live in a fairly populous area where like you can't just like go outside a ton just because it's it's pretty population dense? Um, Charlottesville is pretty population dense. The neighborhood we live in, the houses are all very close. They're all townhomes. So if he goes outside, the kids are literally right across the street or he can hear them from the back door. Um, but otherwise, the um, the parks are obviously closed and there's some open fields we can go to and run around there. But um, there's just not a lot of going, venturing further than the front yard right now. Oh, my gosh. So, like, before, like, the blessing of all the kids in and around the house, in and around your neighborhood is, like, now, like, a curse. Because, like, you you just hear them yeah. outside playing. Broman <laughs> just must be, like, clawing at the doors. Exactly. All right. So, how are you, how are you doing handling all of this? I'm handling it pretty well. Um, it's keeping me busy. I like to be busy. But it can be a little bit stressful just to kind of keep them all occupied and for Roman to keep his cool when he gets a little bit, his energy builds up. And I'm trying to do his, as much homeschooling you can do for like pre-K level. But I have him sit down to do some things and then I'll keep Bella busy. But otherwise, I'm I'm holding up pretty well. I'm good. All right. So is it? A whole lot different than your normal state of things besides like just not being have not having to not having like the the availability of the outside no it's not too different i'm still doing my um i still have my same routine for the most part i still wake up early to run and but instead of rushing to get um everything ready in the morning get breakfast ready get out the door to drop robin off at school it's a little more relaxed and um, chill that way which is nice but I know Roman, he misses school and um, having my husband home, he helps. He'll take breaks and stuff and he helps. It helps me out so I can get other things done too. But for the most part, it's on me. And um, But yeah, it's good. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the running side because you had a remarkable 2019. So you know, Bella was born and then you came back. Oh, you know, from from you know postpartum, which can be such a tricky thing, and you end up having this year where you basically PR'd at just about every distance or so. I guess first things first, what was your postpartum? You know, three, six, you know, twelve week out uh, with Bella compared to how it was with Roman, just in terms of how your body rebounded. So with Roman, I I ran throughout both pregnancies pretty much up until the day before I went into labor. Um, but with Roman, I didn't run as much because I wasn't training for any races. I didn't race much back when I was pregnant with him. But with Bella, I was running a lot more. I was running marathons while pregnant, a lot of races while I was pregnant. So coming back um, to running after Bella was a lot easier. I think I started running again around three weeks postpartum um, after she was born. And I actually did my first, I did a 10 K and I did that at five weeks postpartum. But, um, I did, and I did a marathon five months postpartum after her with Roman. I did a 10 K maybe three months after I had him. And then I didn't race again for almost two years. Yeah. See, when you came back after Bella, it was one of those things where it was like, wow, like this is going shockingly well. 
you know, compared to like what you normally would expect. I guess when you're, you know, especially this being your second pregnancy and, and being well-versed in how individualistic this topic is, you know, what, what were your thoughts about like how, how you could proceed to make sure that you know, you're doing, you know, you're coming back to running in a, in a safe way um, and making it so it's also sustainable when you have so many people have such, such vast differences in terms of how long it takes them to come back to running. And I, and just as an example, you know, Neely Spence Gracie, you know, I talked to her on the, on the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, you know, two months ago, you know, a year after she gave birth, she was still dealing with so much stuff. And she had taken an extremely conservative path up until that point. And it's just was such a, you know, it's, it's just, it can be just so hard to compare one person to another in these circumstances. And I just want to hear how, how you navigated that as someone who I guess was just fortunate enough to be kind of on, on the other extreme end of it. Right. So I would say I was definitely the opposite of conservative when I came back um, to running after having Bella, um, just because I just wanted to get out and run. I was tired of being cooped up in the house and I was just wanted to get some of that energy out. Um, but it started off very, very slow. I think my first run was two miles and I felt awful. My legs felt all wobbly. I couldn't breathe and I was, I just felt so out of shape. But, um, I, from there, I just slowly worked my way back up. While I was pregnant, I was doing pelvic floor exercises. I was trying to keep as strong of a core as I could. So I think that really helped. And I, um, at my six-week appointment, my doctor was like, you already started running, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, kind of. Um, but at that point, I was maybe only running for 20, 30 minutes at a time, nothing too crazy. So I was able to gradually work up from that first two miles and then keep adding on a little bit, a little bit until it was time to start training for that. Um, I'd signed up for the Snickers marathon that I did at five months postpartum. So I started training for that in December and the race was in March. And at that point, once you started that training, did it go relatively smoothly or, or was there a kind of a, with the mag, with the kind of amplification of the training and the mileage did there, was there any adverse effects? I think it went pretty smooth. Um, really no complaints with how the training went. It was obviously a lot slower than um, the training I had done for in 2018 for Boston, but um, the training went well. I was really confident with, how I was feeling and that I could pull off a pretty good marathon. And I didn't quite hit my goal time in that race, but it was still a really, really solid time. I gave a really good effort and I was happy with how everything turned out. And I guess traditionally, I know maybe you know, leading into New York, things might have changed a little bit, but traditionally you've been kind of on the lower mileage side. For someone who who does marathons and does a lot of longer you know endurance races, how did that manifest itself training for Snickers? Um, well, I think I peaked for Snickers. I think I peaked at forty ish miles a week, which was similar to what I had peaked at for all of my previous marathons. Um, I never really got over forty miles a week, and I think I've always thrived on 
low miles up until when I started training for New York. But the lower miles worked for me. I stayed injury free. And um, I was able I, I did well in races um, with the low miles. Now, when you were, were preparing for that, and you say, you know, you stayed injury free, and you kind of stuck to that plan. Was there ever a point that you tried to push it and then got injured and then kind of and kind of you know went back to the way you had been? Or did you just kind of find a happy medium and just stayed there? I found my happy medium and stayed there. Um, I think for probably five marathons, I did that where 40 miles was the sweet spot. And I didn't feel like I needed to go any more than that. And it all worked out well because I didn't, I never got injured and I stayed healthy. I never had any even little like inklings that I could be injured or funky things in my legs. So I always felt good at that. I felt good in races, going into races on peaking at 40 miles a week. So uh, yeah, that it all worked out. So when you're, when you were around that, that 40 mile per week max, what would your weekly mileage look like in terms of like how many times a week were you running and what would say like your long run be, you know, six to eight weeks out from the marathon? So when I was training for my first two marathons, my very first marathon, I ran three days a week and I would go to the gym three days a week. So Sundays, Tuesdays and Thursdays would be my running days and Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays would be my gym days where I would do HIIT workouts and some lifting, but not super heavy stuff. And, um, the Tuesday and Thursday runs, I would maybe run 45 minutes to an hour. And then Sundays would be my long runs. And, um, I would, I started off at 10 miles and every week I would add a mile. So it'd be like 11, 12, 13, and eventually I got up to 20. And then once I worked my way up to 20, that's where I, that was be like three weeks out from race day. So I would start um, tapering at that point. And when you were doing that, what was the, I guess, what was your, um, what was the rationale behind like that plan? Like, did you get that from somebody? Did you just kind of figure it out on your own? Like what, what was the, obviously it has worked for you and you've kind of you know, progressed from that afterwards, but what was the, what led you to that plan in the first place? I just, it was something I made up. It was, it, it's what accommodated my schedule at the time. Cause my husband was in school again, full time. He was working on his master's and this was while we were living in Ohio. So at the time that's what, could, my schedule could accommodate. And um, it that's what worked out. I was able to go to the gym with my friends. And then the other days I would run when he would get home from class. And that's usually it. I would have about an hour to run on those days. And the other days I would wake up early. The gym days I would wake up early to go to the gym before he would have to go to class. So considering the time constraints that you had, why did you end up going after the marathon instead of maybe going for maybe a, you know, shorter distance races? Um, I just, I ain't big. The marathon sounded cool. Um, the longest race I had done before that was a half marathon. Um, so in high school I ran cross country. So the longest, uh, distance those races was three miles. And then, um, my, the next longest race I ever did was a 10 K and after that, I did a half marathon and I did a marathon and that's 
I really love that distance. It's my favorite. Actually, no, half marathon is my favorite distance, but I do love the marathon distance. Got it. All right. So as you moved into 2019, you know, everything went well with Bella, you know, Snickers marathon training went well. What, what kind of brought you to the point where you decided to increase the mileage and kind of take, um, you know, just, I guess that's it. What, what made you want to increase what you were doing considering the positive effects that you'd had up to that point? Well, my goal race that year um, was New York City Marathon, and that was at the end of the year. And I knew that if I wanted to perform really, 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 really well at that race, I would need to really amp it up, um, increase my mileage. It was a totally different course than I had ever run before. And then that's when I looked into getting a coach. And so I reached out to McCurdy Trained, and he paired me up with Dan Montgomery, and he's been awesome. He prepared me so well for New York. And that's when my mileage really started to increase. I think I peaked at in the low 60s for New York. And but it was a gradual increase. And what was that like? What was that like when you first either he told you that that was the plan, or you started to get, you know, hints, like every week that things were going up and up and up? Like, What what was that like for you knowing that before you hadn't had to deal with injuries and things like that? um, And that this was kind of a, you know, new territory? I was really excited. I was really excited for the change and to see um, if higher mileage could really improve, I can improve my fitness significantly, which I did. And, uh, but I was really excited for that change. And, um, but it was, like I said, it was a very gradual change. So there wasn't really ever a point where I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore, where I felt dead. It was, um, he was really smart about my training and the mileage to give me in the workouts. So it, and it's injury free, thank goodness. So that was, um, it was good. <laughs> and as you progressed and you know, you're throwing on the mileage, did you feel like you were getting, you know, fitter and fitter or was it a matter of like that you were just had, like you were getting more fatigued as you, as you progressed through the training? I definitely felt like I was getting fitter. I was obviously tired. Um, I've never taken more naps in my life than I had during the last marathon training cycle. But, um, it was it was a good fatigue where I would run the hard days hard. I would run the easy days easy, but I was I was really prepared going into that race, and it couldn't have gone any better. So, what was the goal for you? Know, you said that this was like your goal race in twenty nineteen. What was the original goal for New York? I think originally he had my time at three twelve. And my PR at the time I had run in the beginning of 2018, and that was a 314. And I actually I ran that when I was eight weeks pregnant with Bella, and that was my PR marathon up until I ran New York City, which was about a year postpartum. But a few days before the race, I told him I think I can run faster. I can run sub 310, which was kind of my low key goal the whole time was to run sub 310. So he made some adjustments to the race plan, and I ran a 3.09 and some change on race day. Nailed it. All right. But even yes. back then, even, <laughs> but shoot, even in January and December, you know, I saw you had, you kind of posted this, that you had like, you know, a journal or, you know, kind of a goal sheet that you'd laid out um, that you had originally had targeted New York for a 3.20 goal. 
So at what point during the training did it become obvious to you that you're going to, you know, kind of blow that out of the water and you're going to set your sights much, much higher than that? I think it was, I ran a half marathon a few weeks before New York City. I just ran a local half marathon here in Charlottesville. And it was a really, really, really hilly race. I think there was a thousand feet of gain throughout the 13.1 miles. And I went into that race just kind of taking it as a workout. I probably won't do too well, but the prizes look cool. So I'll, I'll do it. And I ended up running sub 130. I think, well, it was a short course. My time was 127, but if I was going at the pace I had finished at, it would have been around a 128. So it was a huge PR for me in the half on a really, really hilly course. So I saw that as, wow, my fitness is way better than I expected it to be just a few weeks out from the marathon. I think I can run faster than what we had planned. And New York is known, especially with among the world marathon majors, as a very tough course, especially for someone if you're not basically not you know, training in New York and you're not super familiar with the terrain. How would you rate the, the basically the quality of the course and how hard it was? I honestly did not think the course was that hard, and I think because Charlottesville is a very very hilly city. So when we moved here in June, I absolutely died trying to run the hills here because coming from Florida, it is pancake flat. And I moved to Charlottesville in the summer and started running right away. And it was so hilly. But that really, that was a huge benefit um, to have on my side. It was training on these hills and even on easy runs. Um, It's just, it's always hilly. So when I got to New York, the hills really didn't, they didn't really bother me. I didn't think it was bad. And how about just the electricity of the event? Was it, did it compare at all to other races you've done? I mean, I know you've done other world marathon majors, but how would you compare it to some of the other races you've done? Oh, New York was definitely the top in terms of energy. My adrenaline was just on the whole time. It was, it was an amazing race. It's definitely my favorite of the world majors that I've run. So how do you manage that that adrenaline when it's really pumping and you're in a race that requires so much self-control? It's hard to hold back for me. I try and I try and pace myself, follow the race plan, but I I inevitably always go out too fast or there's some miles where I'm like, wow, that's way too fast. I need to hold back a little bit. And New York was definitely hard to hold back because the whole course, people are just screaming. And I even wrote my name on my bib. So people would say my name as I was running by. And it just felt really, really cool. Um, but there were points where I just kind of had to focus and get in the zone. I um, would kind of shut everything out around me and just run, try and stay on the plan. Cause I knew if I stuck to the plan, I would uh, run the time that I wanted to run. Now, when you signed up to get a coach for the first time, maybe it wasn't your first coach, but when you signed up to get a coach this past year, and obviously you did that because you had visions and goals in mind, what were some of the short term and long term goals that really instigated that process? I don't think I had any short-term goals. I had went into this with New York as my goal. That was the goal race. I didn't really care about any other races for the year. I wanted to coach so I can run a really great time in New York and be prepared for that race. 
And, um, but in between I run other races that didn't go so well. Um, but New York definitely did not disappoint. So when you've had races that didn't go well, was there ever a common theme of what kind of sabotaged that effort? Usually weather. Um, a lot of the races that I ran this year, if they're either in Florida or they're just summer races, it was always really hot. So that was, that was the theme for this year was the weather kind of, I wasn't running the best races. Um, in the past, it's been maybe going out too fast. That's what happened in my first marathon. I went out way too fast and died before even like the halfway point. I just kind of jogged in the rest of the way. But, um, no, I haven't really had too many disappointing races. And even if I do, I don't, I don't dwell on them. I just say, Hey, that didn't go so well and move on to the next one. All right. So you go in, you have this unbelievable race in New York. You're in a 309, huge PR, a year after, after postpartum. At this point, have you kind of reset this, kind of reset the slate on what your goals are moving forward, both, you know, within the calendar year and beyond? Um, well, I definitely want to run a faster marathon time that, well, my goal race for the spring was London, but that's obviously been postponed. Um, and, Later this year, the goal race is Chicago, since London and Chicago are pretty much back-to-back. London is no longer the goal race. That's just going to be a long run, I guess, Chicago being the goal race. And I do definitely want to PR there. I don't really have anything set for other distances. I'll probably run another half, um, hopefully PR in that too. But the goal race this year is definitely Chicago. Now, you've improved so much um, you know, over the past few years and done, um, done unbelievable work. Now, at the same time, you have a lot of responsibilities. you got two little kids at home. You're watching them. You're one of those 4 a.m. runners as well. And you're, you know, you're busting your butt in the mornings as soon as you wake up and all of that. What's it like for you trying to now, obviously – do the best you can as someone who's the hub of your family, but also someone who's obviously very driven within your athletic pursuits. I like to think of, uh, I'm setting an example for my kids um, and me to be a good role model for them. And I find that me running, that always puts me in a better mood. I'm not so grumpy, but um, I, I make the time to, I don't want to say do it all, but there's just a lot to get done when you have to run and then you have to parent and there's other things that need to get done around the house. So my day is very, not not so structured anymore, but it's structured in that the morning is my time to run. Um, When Roman was going to school, that was my time to get things done around the house with Bella, run errands. Then I'd pick him up. My husband would still be at school. Um, But I make the time to try and get most of the things done. I can't be totally disappointed when it doesn't happen in a day. And I'm a very type A person. So if I don't get something done, I kind of get mad, but I can't really dwell on that. Nothing's perfect, especially right now. And through these circumstances, we all have to adjust. It's funny because I was talking to your coach and he mentioned that you are a supremely optimistic person. How do you balance that with having that kind of that type A personality? 
I just, I think the military has really shifted my mindset to just kind of stuff happens, but you just still got to stay positive. Um, beforehand, if something kind of threw off my schedule, even just a little bit, I would get really annoyed or mad about it. But being in the, um, being in a military family, you just have to plans change all the time. Plans change last minute and you just got to, Hey, plans changed. That's okay. It happens. So I don't, I don't dwell on that. I try and think optimistically. Even right now, I'm trying to be optimistic about everything going on in the world. And what are your go-to moves when your optimism is flagging and you want to get it back up to the level that's you know most beneficial for you? Mm, I don't know. Maybe go on a run. That always puts me in a better mood. Um, just having some quiet time. My husband will take the kids outside if he knows that I'm just trying to get something done. And um, that really helps if I can just even if it's like cleaning, cleaning really soothes me. So I would love just to be alone in the house, no kids and clean something without being asked for a snack or having to try and clean while holding the baby. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. (laughs) I can't even imagine having that. Like, well, I think it's great to have like a chore that also can, you know, be mutually beneficial in terms of it actually soothing you as well. I don't think I've ever found any of those chores. <laughs> um, I feel like all of those end up being like, oh gosh, I can't believe I have to do this right now. You know what I mean? Just just another thing, you know? Um, no, I love I it. Say, I should say, I did, if I'm like, you know, we when we, you know, we bought a new house, it, the house kind of came with a tractor um, just because the people who were moving out like didn't need it where they were going. So it's like, oh, I never had one of these. That was kind of fun. But then the tractor crapped out, so I'm not I'm, I'm stuck I'm stuck with no tractor now. But that was, <laughs> that was kind of fun. I guess that kind of served a dual purpose. Um, so now that you've done the whole you know 60 mile a week thing, do you think that there that that's like kind of the plateau for you in terms of the mileage you can fit in during a week, or do you think that you might end up going a little bit more next time around? I'll probably end up doing more next time around um, before all these races were postponed. I had talked to my coach and he had brought up um, ranking up the miles and possibly doing doubles, which I I can do. I have a treadmill. So if I need to do a double, I can do a double. But if not, then I can always just wake up a little bit earlier if I have a longer run on the schedule. So I definitely can increase the miles if I want to. All right, let's talk about the treadmill because, you know, for someone in your circumstance, obviously it's really beneficial. Like there might be times where you can even run on the treadmill when the kids are awake. I know maybe not, maybe Bella's too young for that now, but there probably could be a time where that happens. Are you one of those people that really can excel on the treadmill or are you like, and I'm in the second camp of like, you know, if I say I'm running eight minute miles, you know, normally if I'm on the treadmill and I run eight minute miles, it feels like I'm running like 630 miles. Like where, where do you fall in that, in that range? I'm definitely the latter. Um, I have, if I, I usually use the treadmill for just uh, easy runs. If it's a recovery day or something, that's when I'll use the treadmill. I, I think I've used it for a workout maybe one or two times, but easy days I'll use the treadmill and I'll set it for nine minute pace. And I feel like I'm going seven minute pace. It is so hard. And my husband feels the opposite when he runs on it. He feels like a seven minute 
uh, pace on that is is easy. And I'm like, dude, that's hard. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't I just don't understand it. Maybe it's something to do with people's strides or whatever. Um, yeah, the whole idea of like some people running unbelievably fast on treadmills and other people not. And I know what there's some variance between treadmills, but there just seems to be treadmill people and non treadmill people. And I think there needs to be like a broader explanation for this phenomenon. Yeah, I use it out of if it's absolutely necessary. That's kind of my last resort is using the treadmill. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the exact same way. We have one, but it's mostly like my wife will use it in the morning. Like she'll she'll like walk in the morning on the treadmill, um, which is kind of like her preferred thing while I'm out running. Yeah, I, like, yeah I definitely right. prefer outside. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. That's for sure. Okay, so what was it like for you once? We started hearing about you know the the potential for some of these marathons. You know, basically this happened. You know, end of February when it became reality of okay, some of these marathons might get moved or postponed. What was that like for you as someone who's actively pursuing running in all of these world marathon majors? You've raised money for London, and this was a goal race for you. What was that experience like? You know, kind of waiting and waiting and waiting to see what would happen. Um, I was expecting that it would not be happening at the end of April. So when they announced that it was being postponed, I was relieved that there's actually something planned that it's not going to be canceled or they're just not going to sit on it forever saying, oh, we're monitoring the current situation, um, that they actually had something set now. So I wasn't totally bummed that it was moved. And it actually kind of works out because um, – I want to do the Disneyland Paris half marathon. It's just like a super easy, fun run. And that happens the weekend before the London marathon. So we're going to, we, we're planning on traveling out there a little bit early so we can go to Paris, do that race, and then um, have London the following week. And then Chicago the following week after that. Wow, that is that is quite a lineup. So how how are you going to manage? I mean, that's a ton of miles back to back to back. So what what's the plan from a recovery standpoint in terms of in terms of like obviously like this race isn't happening next week, so it's not like you have a strategy in place right now. But just generally speaking, you know, these are on your calendar. How are you viewing the ability to like you know perform and race and run and recover? you know, in a fairly short period of time, relatively speaking. I feel like I can recover from races fairly quick. Um, I usually take a week off, but I usually within a few days, I feel okay. But like I said before, the I'm using the London Marathon is just kind of like a long run effort, nothing too crazy, just enjoy myself. And then just an easy 26.2. <laughs> That's all just a nice, easy 26. Take it in the sights of London. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> that I don't have to worry about because no before you're in a city like London, and you're going to do a lot of sightseeing, I'm just not going to sit and not go out and see London. I've never been there before. So that kind of works out where I can do all the sightseeing, not worry about having all this time on my feet beforehand and then being able to enjoy that run, um, doing a quick recovery and then racing Chicago the next weekend. So I'll probably be living in my Norma Tech boots. Yeah. All right. So you're not only going to be running London, you're going to be ro- You're going to be going there with two. Are you going there with the kids? No. 
Okay. So my mom is going to come out to watch them. Robert will also be here. He's still in school. So the plan is to go out with my dad and my stepmom. And um, my brother was also going to come out too. Okay. All right. So, so no kids makes it a no little kids. bit more doable. I, can, I can't even imagine doing the whole like walking <laughs> around, the kids, the race. Oh my God. I'm just like getting like the sweats just thinking about it. <laughs> I took my son to New York with me. I had promised him that if I had qualified, I'd take him to New York with me. So we went, my mom came on the trip and then my dad and stepmom were also there too. But he, he had a great time with New York, but that's an easy one to travel to. That was like an hour flight from Charlottesville. So he had a great time and I'm glad he was able to come to that one. Oh, that is fantastic. All right, Bridget, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. You're doing such amazing things. Your constant positivity and optimism is wonderful to witness. And I couldn't, you know, could be happier for you to come on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Matt. Bridget, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was just a blast to have her on. When it comes, when it came to Bridget, it was really about when, not if. I was going to ask her to be on the show. She's just so much fun to follow. Also, shout outs to our sponsors, of course, VDOT and Prevenex. You guys are the best. I've been using VDOT um, as an athlete and a coach for a long time now. And as you know from my intro, man, I just love Prevenex. And the fact of the matter is, is that you know not all of us can get every little thing that we need from our diet. And with that being the case, Prevenex is a great way to fill in some of those gaps. I really love what they have. So go check them out, uh, Prevenex.com. You can go to VDOT as well, V.O2.com. And uh, hey, they're, they're the best in the business of what they do. And I'm so glad that they're here on this show. So also want to give a little heads up, uh, this month's episode of Rambling on the Run with Allie Feller will be on her site. So it'll be the last Friday of the month. Go uh, on her site, obviously, on her podcast. So go subscribe to Allie on the Run. You'll be able to hear that the last Friday of the month. We're planning out our um, our episode now, and it's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm really excited about it, that's for sure. So thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.